Uh, well, listen, on our podcast today, we're just so excited to have my friend Kevin Pulley on with us and here on the Valley Hoops Insider Podcast. And, and Kevin is an old friend of mine. We used to do some work together. I want to talk about that because we'll just laugh and have fun. Uh, but I also yes, want to talk about what you're doing. Tell us, uh, Kevin, way back when I knew you, like in the mid-late 90s, uh, you were a, 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 a hip-hop kind of radio DJ, yeah, yeah. sports stuff with meeting with <laughs> a lot of other people. Um, now you're in the education world, done some coaching. Give us a little bit of bio. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, Harry, thanks for having me on, and I'm wishing you the very best in health and 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 as you go through, uh, you know, your your period of quarantine, wishing you the best uh, health and blessings with that. Number one. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess I go back to um, I was I was blessed to be a radio personality here in St. Louis for about ten solid years. I was a DJ by the name of Kevy Kev. Kevy Kev, uh, baby. <laughs> right. Old station was Magic 108 FM, became Magic 105, Magic 104.9. Then, then I did Hip Hop 100.3 The Beat. Uh, it was all hip hop uh, station. And so uh, I had a I had an awesome tenure run there. Uh, the funny thing about it is, is during that time, you know, like I, I always say I got to meet these these mega stars when they were kids, you know, the, the Jay-Z's and Beyonce's and Usher's, these people who are you know, super famous now, but when I was hanging out with them, interviewing them, they were 15, 16 years old. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny now to see those kind of things. The Queen Latifah's, the ice, the ice cubes. So I did that for, you know, 10 years to about 2000. And then uh, during that time, as you know, being in, in the uh, broadcasting business during the day, you have a lot of time. So I went back to school uh, and, and uh, got a teaching certificate, became a teacher. And so when I got out of the radio full time like that in 2000, I started teaching school. I was a history teacher and uh, in the St. Louis Public Schools, I met Carnahan High School. Now I've been there, uh, be in the fall, be 15 years there. But I actually teach media there. I get to teach, hopefully, uh, young people to become Harry Schraders. Uh, that, that's the <laughs> goal. A lot higher, bro. Got to see. That's the goal. I, you know, I'm hoping to produce some future uh, uh, Harry Schraders, you know, boys and girls. I teach, uh, uh, teach uh, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and I have a senior internship class where we work down at the district TV station. So uh, that's been fun. And, and during that time, I did do some coaching. Like you said, I never wanted to be, we were new high school starting up. So I ended up being a football coach for four years, a head football coach, which I don't, so this this day, I don't know how that happened. But I, I coach uh, uh, football, varsity football. I coach girls basketball. I coach baseball. I still coach baseball. It's been uh, uh, 15 years of baseball. And um, one phone call to your old friend to come help out. That uh, listen, you can. <laughs> hey, when we get back to playing, please come on, come on, Here you go. please come on. So uh, you and I were you and I did St. Louis U women's games together uh, for three, four years. And yes, you, you and I are part of the broadcast team. The first time the Billikens ever went to uh, postseason basketball, they went and played in the NIT up in Iowa somewhere. I remember that. And you and I got to travel through Conference USA. We drove to Cincinnati and Louisville and Marquette, Chicago, <laughs> and all those different places. Yes, sir. Yeah, we and, sure did. And I was, uh, we were talking earlier today, and I said, I don't know if the broadcasts are any good, but our drives were a lot of fun. Great conversations, great conversations. Talk about great friendship, and we we would we'd, we'd like argue politics, and we'd argue. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, you know we went all over the map. 
Uh, yeah, we did. Back in those days, uh, basketball games in the West Pine Gym, you know, it was just West Pine. good times to be in a, in, in announcing basketball. Oh, it really was, and and it, and it was different. And, and and let's be honest, during that time, Harry, uh, the, the, we saw some great basketball, the women's college basketball. Uh, at that time, St. Louis University was in Conference USA. But as as you know, the, the women, they weren't getting their just due. I mean, right. they just were not. You know, they, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't broadcast most of, most of, most we did the home games, but uh, at that time, they didn't finance for us doing the road games and things like that. We got to do a, a select few, but the women just weren't getting their just due. I'm so happy they are now, which because they deserve it, and they always did deserve it, you know, uh, going back to Jill Pizzotti. And, and I keep in touch with Jill a little bit on social media. We'll send a message great. once in a while. She was a great coach. and a good She friend. was great. Great friend, fabulous. I, I, she's awesome, and I and I have not done the best job of keeping in touch with her. But I I follow her. In fact, I think one of the last games I saw uh, before the before the the break with the the, the virus was uh, them getting ready for the uh, NCAA tournament. They were playing in the uh, I guess they're what are they in the the, uh, the Big East now or the uh, and, and of course she's she's at uh, DePaul with Doug Bruno, who of course she coached against there right. during that time. She's right. in her hometown now. Yeah, she's going over to the evil empire, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> I'll never forget, Kevin Foley, one of the funniest things that ever happened to me in broadcasting is we were doing a game, and, uh, and the Billikens were largely African-American in makeup. And, and there were two young girls that were white uh, girls that kind of interchanged at one position for the Billikens. And I remember saying to you on a broadcast one night, I was having trouble differentiating those two girls. I said, those two white sisters look the same. <laughs> <laughs> and you lost it just like that in the broadcast. And I thought, what did I say? <laughs> was, was, was that uh, Kirsty? What was her last name? I can't, uh, she can shoot the three. I can't, her first name was Kirsty. I, I don't know, I, I cannot think of it, but she was, she was, I think she was from Indiana. Yeah. She kind of fit the prototypical from, from who's basketball in her blood. Sure. Love the game, could shoot that thing too. So we had some good times and we talked about a yeah. lot of stuff. I, when, when the George Floyd thing happened and protests began and riots began and reactions from all over the country, um, I, I immediately, in my own brain, I thought of, my, of people that I know and really care about that mm -hmm. are of African-American descent, do they feel put upon? Do they feel kind of put at right now? Do they feel under the gun right now? And so you're one of the people I reached out to. I reached out to a hand, handful of friends of mine and uh, to just say, man, like, how are you? How are you doing? And so kind of question one for me, Kevin, tonight is, so we've all seen the George Floyd videos. We've all seen the pictures. We all know the story. I want to know your first thoughts, first impressions, first heartache, anger, whatever it might be, as, a, as an African-American man watching that thing unfold, obviously we didn't watch it live, but it's like we're right. watching it live every time we see it. Yeah, you know, I think I was like uh, most people with, with, uh, with a heart and a conscience, you, you just, it, even now it's hurtful to, to see that, uh, that somebody could do that to another human being, that, uh, and it was like just no regard to the fact that he knew that he was being video uh, recorded, and it and it and just it just I was just at a loss, like you know, no no respect for just life, 
And then, you know, when, you know, that, that's something, uh, when, when, when you hear of a, of a, of a, of a grown man crying out for mama, it, it's over. You, you have, have given, and you being a, 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 a pastor, a Christian brother, you, you could, you could appreciate what I'm about to say in terms of, uh, of your faith in Jesus Christ, when you call for mama, that that's like the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ saying, it is finished. Mm. That's it. It's over. When, when you are, 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 I mean, you are, you are crying for your last piece of air. And so to see that, it, it man, it's hurtful. I, I, and, and, and uh, seeing an African-American man that happened to, and we, we, we've seen this, you know, we, we've seen this, this displayed out so many times, Harry, but to actually see it the way we did now, where it's like, where we were, where we didn't watch it live, it's like we're watching this live. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with, with uh, Eric Garner. I was talking to my daughter about it the other day. I said, you know, we, we had seen Eric Garner in New York die like that. But I think the fact was you had people saying, hey, hey, he can't breathe, you know. There are people that are standing up to him. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, they're actually having a conversation with Eric Garner. They were just choking him to death. Nobody was having a conversation with the police, but they're talking to this man as he's killing him. So I say to myself, what was the, what was he hoping to, to gain? He had to be thinking, I'm going to do this till he dies. I, I couldn't see anything else. I, it's so, it, so, the video is so shocking. The story is so surreal that I, it's, it's even still right now hard to believe. Yeah. He, like the, the, the picture that's indelibly in my mind is him there kneeling on, on George Floyd's neck. Um, hands in his pocket, no expression. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not even like he's mad at the guy. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like think about a, 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 an act of passion, an act of rage, and the guy is totally dis dispassionate. That to me is almost what's the most shocking. It it it's just uh, you know, and and again, uh, we, you know, I'm I'm 57 years old. Okay, I told and... you I was mad at you. You look a lot younger than me. I'm older, see, uh, older than you, see. So, so, so at 57, but I'm 50, but here's what I'm going to say. I'm 57, Harry, and my mother and father had to have that, that talk, which we talk about, the talk about what to do when you stop by the police. And, and, and believe it or not, that, that, that's that conversation where you, you learn it's kind of like in sports where they say live to play another play, you mm -hmm. know, your job is to, it's to get home. All you want to do is hope that you can maybe see and remember a police uh, a badge number and get home to your parents to, to try to start a legal procedure because that, that's it. That's, and I told the gentleman that this was back during the Mike Brown situation. I said, you, a uh, white gentleman said, you know, you don't, you don't have to have that conversation with your son. And I should say daughters as well. Me right. being a man with three daughters uh, and, and there's a professor, um, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Crenshaw, who's at UCLA in Columbia. Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw has the campaign Say Her Name because there are so many uh, stories of African-American women who've died the same death, just like George, George Floyd. So, you know what, and, and, and I'll be honest, and, and I'll, I'll be quiet, get it back to you, Harry, but if you are an African-American parent in today's time, and you don't sit down and have a conversation with your son or daughter, and I'm talking young, I'm talking 
five, six, seven years old, if you don't talk to them about the police and what can happen, you, you've done them a disservice. You've almost put them on a course to be hurt by yeah. the police department. And I know that seems, that's a lot of people, that's hard to believe, but that's, that's a reality. It's, it is hard to believe, but we know it's true. And, and I want to say out, out front uh, to people that are watching this, that you're not a, every police officer is a bad guy. You have friends that are in the nah, police department. Nah. And yet this is a reality for African-American people. Oh, absolutely. Hey, listen, I, I go to church with John Hayden, the uh, chief of police of the city of St. Louis. I'm on the deacon board with him. Very good friend with him. I've interviewed him, talked to him. Hope maybe at some point you'll get him on, on the show. I'm sure he'd love to come on with you. And, 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 and so I know, we all know that there are great police officers out there. Listen, if something bad happens, if it's who are we going to call? Right. You know, the police are necessary. We just know that there's another side to it too, being black in America. But I mean, what, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We can't live without them. You, you live in North County, uh, Kevin. Yes, Grew and, up in North City, live in North and County. So yes, since the eruption of things, and things have died down a little bit here in St. Louis and other places are a little bit more volatile right now in terms of the, you know, what the protests turn into sometimes. Uh, but in your neighborhood or with your family, how are things different today versus three, four weeks ago when George Floyd was killed? Um, I, I would say that, that there is an alertness. And what I mean by that, why I think uh, I would say my family, uh, of course, just like the rest of America, shocked by what happened with George Floyd, but also I really believe that something has happened in America. Now, you know, with a, with a large majority of people. I mean, and that's the thing, you see these protests and, and we've all said, we could see, you know, we all were like, this is horrible, this is cynical, we've seen this, we'll see the protests, it'll die down, and we'll go back to business as usual. But I think it's different. It's different because you're seeing, you're seeing people in, in St. Peter's, in St. Charles, uh, in, in, in counties in Illinois, people, white people, uh, and black people connecting, brown people, people of all different backs, uh, you know, back, uh, uh, all together. This is a different movement. You look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., uh, constantly out in front of the White House, painting the Black Lives Matter in front of, in front of the, uh, the, 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 the White House. I, it's, it's different. There's no different, no doubt that it is different, that, that more people are engaged in this than ever before. Um, and, and I don't think there is going back. I was telling somebody yesterday, I don't, I don't think there's putting the genie back in the bottle this time. And, yeah, yeah. and thankfully, right? I mean, as, as nasty as some things have felt and as angst ridden as so many things are, um, we have to have these conversations and we have to go forward significantly and definitively as a nation. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know something, I'll tell you something. I'm somebody who had, I had a huge Black Lives Matter uh, banner in my classroom, huge. And I actually, uh, somebody asked me about taking it down and I, I actually had it taken down. I took, and you know the reason why I took it down? Cause I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that Black Lives Matter, not in, in the school, in the city, in the community. And, and to me, it was hypocrisy. So while I believe it, I was like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to, because it, it made me angry because I, I see things that happen 
to our kids, our students, and, and they like to me, looking at it as an old guy, that their lives don't matter. So it's like, if I put that up there, and, and the person that was arguing with me about it was, was a white young lady that I work with. She's like, well, why you want to take it down? And I said, because I just don't believe it. Now today, I put it back up today, because I believe something has happened in the heart of the country. I, I, I really do. I put it up gladly. Wish I had it now. But, <laughs> but at that time, and again, we're only talking about maybe six months ago. I just, you know, I just, I, I, was, I was at that point. It's kind of frustrated by a lot of things. One of the things I think that is hard for most people when we try to have these conversations is that there's, there are absolutes, right? Do Black Lives Matter? 100%, right? Um, is, there, is there nuance in uh, how that's played out? Or is there nuance in... Well, of course, police blue lives matter too. Of course, right? Like nobody, nobody's saying black lives matter uh, aren't saying that blue lives matter. They're just right. saying hey, we we would like black lives to matter. Yeah, yeah. See, the, and that's that's where it all gets it all it all gets jumbled up right there, because because you take it, it it's always been that way. If 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 I have an appreciation for my for for my heritage or, or, or being, you know, uh, African-American, what have you, black history, that doesn't mean I don't have an appreciation for anybody else's history. And because I say black lives matter, that doesn't mean I'm saying blue lives or everybody's life doesn't matter. But right now the issue is black lives because based on what we see, they don't matter. Cause you don't have to have that conversation with your kids. You don't have to, and, and, and I'm pretty sure with you, the, the police is a, is a friend you can always count on. That's not the way it is in, in, in my community. And that's not to say that, again, if you really want to fix something, you can't take it that way and say, well, he's saying all police are bad. I'm not. Listen, I, I'm, I, want, I want the police to come when I'm in trouble and I'm having an issue. I want them to come, but I want somebody that's going to come and not shoot me in my house because they think that I, I moved my hands too quick or they thought I was the, the victim. And, 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 and what black people are saying, it, it shouldn't be like rocket science because I, the best example to me, Harry, is go back to Central Park and the lady with her dog there. Right. And you had a gentleman who, who videoed her when he asked her about the dog should be on a leash, which was the law. She felt, she actually believed in her heart that, listen, I know America. All I have to do is say you did this. And with it being me who want the color of my skin, you're gonna be assumed guilty. That, that, that makes a statement. The fact that she could feel confident that she could outright tell a lie and it would be believed by people. So, so I think a lot of messages kind of get jumbled up there. I think they get jumbled up with, with Colin Kaepernick. I, I, I saw Colin Kaepernick is no different than Muhammad Ali when he refused to, to be inducted into the army to go to Vietnam or Kurt Flood, using sports examples now, right? When he said that he was, you know, he, he was gonna sue baseball. But it was bigger with Colin because Colin now is talking about the whole, he, he was talking about something that's taking place all over the country. The fact that he could not get a job. He couldn't get it, you know, we love sports. He couldn't get a job, still can't get a job. You know, what does that say? And you have guys who, who have allegedly uh, uh, abused their wives. They've, they've assaulted people. They've, they've used illegal substances and they can get right back in the league. You take a stand and say, hey, I, I have an issue with something that's going on. 
and you're banned from 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 playing the sport that you love from your profession. I, I think that 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 good-hearted people can disagree about Colin Kaepernick. What I don't think they can disagree about is, uh, if you'll remember, he his first thing is he was sitting down during the anthem, and and people told him that was disrespectful. And as a matter of fact, a veteran got a veteran soldier got a hold of him and said, "Hey, that's disrespectful. If you're going to do that, take a knee, show respect." And Colin Kaepernick took that advice and did that. Um, I, I, I don't think there's any disagreement that he is trying to attempt to shoot down the flag. Um, you know, I think, like I said, I think people can disagree that, well, maybe he shouldn't do it then, maybe he should do it then. But I don't think the issue is respect. I don't think that's what he was attempting to do. No, no, I think he was using a platform that he had to, to draw attention to a huge problem in, in our country. And, and you start looking at the, the words of the Star Spangled Banner, and you just really start going through it, and you say, well, what? Freedom, does everybody have freedom? Is there a system, things in place where people are being denied opportunities? And, and, and you know, you hear things, even the president say, well, if you don't like it, go somewhere else, you know? But why should I have to go somewhere else? This this is my home just like yours. Just like you and I had a conversation. We're talking about Drew Brees, and he makes a statement. And I've always been a Drew Brees fan, thought the world of him, and, and, and along with his his benevolent work as well, especially, you know, what he does in New Orleans. But when he talks about uh, anybody that would take a knee, I'd have a problem because they're they're disrespecting the flag of my country that my grandparents fought for. And the first thing I say is, well, wait a minute, you know, my grandparents fought too for this country. They went to war too. They were killed too. And guess what? When they came back home from the war, they couldn't even get a hamburger. They couldn't even sit in, in a movie theater. They couldn't get a, they couldn't even, you know, get a get drinking certain water fountains. They couldn't even vote for a war that, that was making the world free for a democracy. So you tell me who's really the patriotic one when you want to talk about that. No, who really, and, and the fact that, yeah, your grandparents were in a war mind too, but guess what? They're in the segregated army because you don't believe they have what it takes to fight side by side for them in a war. So, you know, I get started on that and, hey, you know. You were, a, you, you were a history teacher, you're a history guy. Uh, we had a march here in our neighborhood uh, two, three Saturdays ago. And, and one of the things that people said at the end is it was sponsored by the school district. and or people in the district, I don't know exactly who sponsored it, but, but people that were up speaking at the end were like, we have to make sure we teach uh, more or enough or whatever history related to African-Americans in our nation. Are, are there segments of history? Are there certain aspects of that history that you think are woefully missing in what is most of the history education in our schools? I, I think so. I, I think we miss it tremendously. Uh, Unfortunately, if you probably check in with a lot of a number of students, probably middle through high school, uh, you ask them about prominent African Americans that played role, they're going to tell you Dr. King. Dr. King was great. He achieved and accomplished a tremendous, a great deal. We wouldn't be having this conversation we're having now without his work. Right. But there are many others along the way that that you know that that had a great story that that we don't hear much about. We don't we don't hear much about the Tuskegee Airmen. You know, you don't you don't hear about the Marcus Garveys. You don't hear enough about the Little Rock Nine. 
you know, you don't you don't hear enough about John Lewis, and and you do some to some degree now, but but you just don't hear about it. you don't hear about the Buffalo Soldiers, you know, you don't hear about the 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 three hundred thirty third in uh, in the Civil War, the 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 um, uh, you know, the, the Black Platters of the movie Glory was based on, I think I said 333, that was actually the, the oh, airman. But, right, right, right. But, but um, you know, you, you just don't hear enough of that, you know. You, we just, you know, we, we don't hear those stories enough of people, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, that, that were heroes as well. You know, when, when, when Pearl Harbor happened and, and you have, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an African-American sailor who was a cook go to a gun that had never had a gun and begin sh shooting down Japanese uh, uh, planes on, on, on the Arizona, on, on, on the ship, on the ship there. So, um, you know, uh, there's a lot that, that we're missing. And this is American history. You have to ask uh, the question, well, why do we have to have Black history? Well, we have it because we're talking about American history, but so many African-American stories. And again, if we start talking about women, Native Americans, uh, uh, you, you go down, you can go down the line, stories not being told. And, and there is more to the African-American historical uh, story, the diaspora, than of course, Dr. King and the civil rights movement, which is was tremendous. You know, you probably don't have any schools talk, even talking about Malcolm X or the Black Panthers. So, you know, that's... I was leaving a prayer meeting down at the old courthouse last week. And uh, um, so I was, I just wanted to rethink through the old courthouse and the Dred Scott thing. And, and, yes, uh, and in doing some of that research, I also found out that there was a court case decided there. Uh, a woman named Virginia Minor tried to vote and got arrested here in St. Louis in the 1870s. She took it to court and lost, just like Dred Scott did, at the old courthouse yeah. downtown St. Louis. So the, that courthouse is there as a testament to saying no to the rights of people, you know? Oh, oh man, it, it, it sure is. And it's something really, really, really historic. And again, some, some cases there that, with housing here, landmark cases here with, uh, you know, uh, the tenant housing rules and things that they had in place here. So yeah, a lot of history there. That's why you might, and I'm sure you saw the exhibit at the History Museum a couple of years ago it was called number one in, I believe it was number one in civil rights. Remember that exhibit no. that was at the History Museum? No, I didn't see it. Didn't get to see it. It was there almost a year, about, I want to say maybe two, three years ago. Uh, and I asked the question, I said, well, when you take this exhibit down, where is it going? Because I'm thinking if it, it, no other city would have the, because it was all about St. Louis's civil rights, uh, uh, you know, history. So. I couldn't see it being interesting to people that lived in Cleveland or Pittsburgh or Los Angeles or New York. Where I, my question was, why isn't it staying here in some place? And then, you know, some museum, what have you, it needed to stay in St. Louis, but I, I don't know what happened with that. Uh, as, we, as we think through all that's been going on, uh, I want to like kind of go point counterpoint, kind of like, what about this versus that kind of questions, just for fun. Um, just for fun. Yeah, so, but but before I do that, I've got a couple of them over here on this piece of paper. On this piece of paper, <laughs> um, I, I think this is the question I've been asking some of my African-American friends. What do, you, what do you wish white people knew, understood, felt? Uh, because like, I, I, I think I told you the other day, uh, that the other day I preached a sermon about race and whatnot in our yeah. church. And I started my sermon with this phrase. I said, I am not woke. And so, <laughs> 
what you know what what do guys like old you know white guys like me need to learn <laughs> and understand uh like if there were two or three things you said man harry if you would catch this it would make a big difference um that's a great question that's a and i think about that i think uh <clears throat> excuse me I think one of the things that I, that I would hope that we all kind of take a look at is that we, we have a system in place, and I'm talking about our, our capitalistic system, our theology, as, as ideology, I should say, as it relates to, um, you know, as that, as that relates to how we govern uh, with our democracy. If, if, if we think about the way it works is even in capitalism, you know, you have to have somebody on the bottom in order for it to work, for it to work. It inspires people because I think in the back of your mind, at least you say, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. And, 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 it, and it has to work that way. Well, we put a system in place like that with, with slavery because, because farming and agriculture was, that was the driving part of the country before we, before we even began to, it, it led to us being able to industrialize. So you had to have the backbone. When you talk about people building a country, it, it was built on agriculture, you know, tobacco, cotton, uh, um, these, these products, you know, that, that the country needed. You needed cotton to make clothing, you know, textiles. Tobacco was, 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 was you know, used. And then if you go even further uh, in the Caribbean, you know, you had, uh, Dominican, you have Jamaica, you had sugar. So all these products uh, was helping to industrialize the world and they needed slaves. So uh, where am I going with this? Okay, here's where I'm going. Where I'm going is saying that all the slavery institution helped drive us to become industrialized so that we had machinery, we, we get railroads, we get, uh, uh, you know, leading up to automobiles, to computers today, but it had to have a foundation to produce wealth and that workforce the labor force was slavery. And so where I'm going with this is, I would like people, when you hear people talk about um, uh, supremacy, white supremacy, and people say, well, what, is that, what does that really mean? It means that you, you put together a mindset, to me, this is just Kevin Pulley's thing, you, know, you, you put together a system, a mindset uh, for production, for, for people to, to have success, but it was built on something else, the labor force that led into other careers and everything else. And the mindset for me is, is that things might be bad, but at least I'm not on the bottom with those guys. You look at something like Archie Bunker, the old All in the Family series, right? Mm -hmm. Now, would you say Archie Bunker was a, was a rich guy? No. No, he wasn't, right? No. But the one thing that drove that guy, and he was supposed to be like represent middle class America, what have you, the thing that kept Archie going is no matter how bad stuff might be, at least I'm not black, right? That was his thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not African-American. And then of course you had the Jeffersons come along later on and that, that kind of threw a curve. But I would say if, if there's something I, I would just want people to think about, nobody just becomes, just you wake up, oh, okay, people be you know wealthy, you have success, but there's something that has to happen for that to be in place. And, and slavery is a part of our history and, and that workforce and, and oppression all of that has been part of it. And there's all kind of everything we enjoy today. There's benefits that came about because of having a lower class in the country. That's, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. So okay. um, you and I were talking earlier today 
and there's no doubt that the laws that we now have are are better than the laws were in the 1800s, the 1900s, the late 1900s. Um, and, and yet the big kind of conversation today is about police reform and people smarter than you and I know, you know, are gonna figure all that out. Um, but that's obviously needed. When you look around, are there other legal things that you think need to take place uh, to even out level the playing field, protect African-Americans? I think I think so. I think like anything, um, we in our communities where, where you'll see a majority of us living, just like we want the best, if it's groceries, food from the grocery store, we, we want we want the best police officers too. I have a sense, especially when it when it comes to, uh, uh, well, you know, color, uh, white police officers. I don't think. Uh, Everybody's not bad, everybody's not, but how come we don't get some of those good uh, quote unquote white police officers in black neighborhoods? Why don't we get them? Why are they in other areas, you know, and, and those areas might be determined by, uh, of, you know, someone's wealth, what have you. Why don't, why don't they, get, you know, why don't we have those? You know, you spent time in, in Ferguson and, and working there. One of the things with Darren Wilson, when you read about him is, he, he talked about how he, he saw Mike Brown as like, almost like a big he-man, uh, uh, like, a, like a giant, you know, his mindset. Why, why is somebody patrolling a group of people like that and they, they're really afraid of, of the people that they're, that they're policing, that they almost see them as, as less than human? You know, they have good officers. Why aren't those officers placed in communities where, where we are as well? You know, why do we get the ones that, I mean, because, because they're not sending those to the better areas of a community in terms of economics, they're not, they're not gonna put the, the quote unquote renegade type officers in those areas. You know, they're, they're not going there. And everybody, they know there's bad guys on, and, and, you know, on a force. They no know doubt, who they are. No doubt this whole database thing that they've talked about, however it comes to play, will be huge. Uh, Derek Chauvin was, had all kinds of uh, infractions before the, the George Floyd thing. Had, I think 14 different things against him that he had done too much force and, and, and so forth. And, and yet they don't keep up with it. And so the, those police reforms that they're talking about in some way, shape or form, we trust will happen soon. I know there was a, for some people, a very disappointing decision yesterday. The Senate didn't want to take up a, a, a bill by Tim Floyd, but, um, but at some point, it, there's, it seems like we're on the precipice of getting some things changed in that regard. And we certainly hope that happens. Um, yes, so hearts versus laws though, right? You know, uh -huh. you're a man of God, a deacon in your church. Uh, the, the hearts of people have to change. So the, we want yeah, the laws to be better, um, yeah. but good laws and bad hearts don't always equal the same thing. And, and, and so uh, when I think about this circumstance that we're in right now, uh, like I said earlier, I, I wanna engage in conversation with people and I wanna to try to engage others in that conversation so that uh, people with angst and anger and bitterness on any side of this question can hear reasonable people. Uh, you said uh, something about uh, Michael Brown seeming different, less than human or, or something. Well, I forget the phrase you used. I, I think we have depersonalized 
and dehumanize the people that we disagree with. Mm -hmm. And we're willing to kill them, you know, with our words in social media. And, right. and apparently we're willing to kill them physically because, yes. because uh, we have dehumanized them. And I think that is this crying shame of what's going on right now. Oh, absolutely. And again, if, if, you, don't, if you don't see a person that you're policing or, or, or anything, if you're teaching that person, if you don't see them as, as human, like you, then how are you ever gonna, uh, how are you ever gonna be fair with them? Because you, you know, you don't see them like, like you do. You, 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 I mean, you, you have pets and you have a, you have a degree of, I mean, imagine if, 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 if you've seen someone do that to a dog, just put a knee and kill a dog. Imagine that. But you do that to a human? Yeah. So, so. I want to ask some of the, the um, dumb white guy questions, okay? The, uh, um, I, don't, I hope I know the black uh, smart guy questions of it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We, we'll see. Well, I, I don't claim to be a, black, a smart black guy, but let's see. Well, listen. <laughs> see, see, here's what I believe. I believe there's a wound in the heart of a group of people in my country called African-American people. I think there's a wound. There's been so much offense and wound. I think, you know, hurt, hurting people end up hurting themselves or other people, right? And mm -hmm. so for generations, we have, uh, the majority race has hurt the African-Americans. That being said, when, when something happens, the George Floyd thing happens, protests happen, and then the riots and we burn down the quick trip happens that pushes some people farther from uh, a productive conversation because they say well, well what are they doing i mean they're just burning down buildings that talk to me about the maybe some of the feeling the rage or whatever it is that's that's stirring people to that and, and speak to man I, you you agree with that or you don't agree with that talk to me about that well i i think um First of all, let me let me say I, I think I think Dr. King had a solution with nonviolence as far as being able to get something accomplished. We saw it with with civil rights bills and voting voting rights acts uh, occurring and taking place, and those things wouldn't have happened with with, with violent uh, protests. But by the same token, today you, I'm not saying I don't agree with the violence, uh, the, the 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 burning the, these things, but but you understand how it gets to this level. I think to just say, for someone to sit back and watch their TV and say, how can they do that? Those are the people that aren't, they're not like you trying to understand, well, what would make a person want to do that? Be because see, you have to get to the point where you can, I think you, if you're going to analyze it like that, you also have to be able to say, what, what kind of, what could be in a person's heart that would make them feel like they could actually stay, be on somebody's neck like that. How do you, how do you get to that point? Mm. You know, if, if I was to ask uh, Chauvin a question, my answer would be, what, what were you hoping to accomplish? Were you hoping that he would die or just he would just, when were you gonna stop? What, what, was, the, what was the goal with that? So when, when you see people uh, burning and and again, also remember too, there are people that do have some agendas and 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 want to take advantage of what's happening too, because those are opportunities for people to loot and 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 
and and steal and do some other things like that too. So so that comes into play too. So I think um, I apologize for that. Uh, uh, so you 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 do have to uh, ask uh, that question. Uh, you know what what happens with that? But I, I, I'm not for that. But I understand how we get to that level. To me, it's understandable. Do I think that's the answer? No, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, but you see how we get to that, we get to this level like this, you know. Uh, the, the hot topic button of this week, you know, there'll be a different one next week. Uh, but the hot topic button this week is statues. And, uh, and, I, and, and, and I think that for way too long, we've had this blindness in our minds about some of the statues and monuments across the nation. Um, and conveniently or just blindly, we said, oh yeah, those Confederate statues, well, you know, who cares? It was part of our history. And just <laughs> speak to that a little bit. Um, that's a history that I think uh, African-Americans, we, we, we don't wanna, we, we know it was there, but we, we, don't, we don't like uh, memories, uh, things around it, I think that, that constantly remind us of that. Uh, I don't think you can, you know, you can't eliminate your history. I think they could go in a museum somewhere or something like that. I don't, you know, I, when, when I see a Confederate flag, I, I, the, there's, I, I don't look at it as, well, you know, that's just history. I look at it as something that's hurtful. Uh, again, I liken, I liken it to uh, the swastika uh, for, for Jewish uh, 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 heritage uh, people. It's hurtful. It's painful. Um, the, the, and even the fact that you know, when I, when I see at, at football games and they used to and at Georgia, those universities with those Confederate flags outside the stadiums, and I'm thinking that now they have African American players on those teams. And again, I'm a sports guy like you, and I think to myself, wow, they they just don't know because you know, in, in, as much as I love sports and college football, there's a side of me that says, man. I wouldn't let my son play at one of those SEC schools just because of the history and because of those flags, you know, um, and, and now they've since removed that, but that's a hurtful thing. And, 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 and they were the last conference to allow uh, African-American players to, to come in and play there. And, and, and that's a history. And now, you know, that's like the league in college football, but, but, but there's a history there. And I think too many times people don't think about it, but the answer about the, uh, the, the, the statues, the Confederacy, why do we honor people who fought against the country? You know, who, who fought to take the country over? Who, you know, who, you know why, do we, why, do we, why do we have that, that those honoring? What, what were we thinking when we did those statues? Do you think it's better, uh, better is the wrong word, would there be a better way to do it, meaning petitioning governments to take them down versus defacing them and pulling them down? Because I, I can see both activities, honestly, I can. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm not that kind of guy, but I get the, you know, listen, we're trying to change everything and we have to take yeah. things stronger. Uh, I, 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 think, I think it would be great to, 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 to petition governments to take them down and, and put them in muse museums. I think so. And, and you see, just like, just like the, the Aunt Jemima ad, and Uncle Ben's. I think they should, th those, th those images as a, as a young black kid that I, I always thought of Aunt Jemima that she, it was no question 
that she was a slave and, 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 and it came out of that. And Uncle Ben, you know, was, was it, it, it gave the image of someone that was on the plantation that, you know, and, and these types of images, they, they, there's, those, those definitely aren't things that make you feel great. You know, you know it's funny. So, I read something about Aunt Jemima. Apparently, she was like a millionaire, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know, had an unbelievable career of sorts and did all kind of amazing things. Um, yeah. uh, what role do you think the marches, the if we call them peaceful protests, what, what role do you think they play? Um, you mean as far as uh, causing, bringing about change? Yeah, bringing about change, awareness, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, I think they're, I think they're important. But I just wonder oh. what you think about that. Oh, I think they're extremely important. They're, they're, they're extremely important. They bring attention. Uh, they, they make people uh, take notice. They make people pay attention. Uh, pay attention. They make people uh, research and try to investigate and find out uh, what it's about. Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, demonstration, and, 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 uh, which leads to litigation and then uh, after that, you know, you, you know, hopefully, you know, you, you get laws changed. So, so absolutely. How I frame the question or how you frame the question starts to frame the answer, right? And right. so well, that's why I think these conversations for us to say, man, let's look at details, let's look at facts, but let, let's look at heart. You know, like I was asking you about the, the looters. Yeah, there are opportunistic people out there for real. There are Antifa people in the middle of it. There are white supremacists out there in the middle of it, trying right. to come up the works, no doubt. Right. Um, but, but there's this wound, there's this angst in the heart of an African-American people, the African-American people in our country, that we have to find a way to do some healing and, and, and bring about unity of heart and life. And, and, and even if you and I vote for different people, we can be running after the same thing. Right. Uh, um, so uh, what's next, Kevin Pulley? Like you, you know, hopefully we'll be back in school in the fall. You know, I know the coronavirus yeah. on, top of the, on top of the racial unrest has made everything crazy. Yes, You're sir. Back in school theoretically in the fall. We can't, we're not gonna go back to normal, but what do you think is next? What, if you can, you know, put on your, uh, you remember Kreskin from the old days? Yeah, the amazing Kreskin, right. You can put on your, your, your futuristic thinking. Uh, What's next? What, you know, uh, how do we take the next steps? Well, I, 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 think, I think we have to continue to have conversations about it. I think, I think we, can't, we can't let it uh, just, just go away and just start. I think we have to continue to, to have conversations, dialogue about it. We have to, we got to be willing to, I think, step outside of ourselves and say, okay, we, we have a problem. See, I think before you can fix any problem, you have to acknowledge that there is a problem. And people have overwhelmingly, uh, 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 you know, acknowledged that there's a problem. Otherwise, you would not see all these people of different races and backgrounds coming together. And, and, but, but that has to continue. And, and like for me, myself in the school, it needs to continue. Uh, you know, I've often talked about the fact that, you know, we, we could do a lot better with what even the teaching of African-American uh, histories and studies. We need that. We don't have it. It should be there, but it should be there, you know, all students. It shouldn't just be black students taking the course. In fact, when I was at the University of Missouri, there, there were plenty of white students that were taking African-American history and, and they knew the history, you know, and, and, and you know, 
uh, that I, I was always impressed by that. You know, so I think we we got to continue. I, I do. I will say this though, since you brought up uh, the political parties and things of that sort, I think as long as we have the present uh, uh, administration that we do right now in Washington D.C., I think what we're talking about is going to be diminished. I mean, because even right now, it's not an issue for the, it's an issue for everybody except the administration. I mean. When the president says, uh, "I don't think we have a, have a problem with systematic racism in the country," and that's why you see people want to take down uh, monuments and and everything else, he he's it's not even being addressed. It's not even a, a topic of discussion. You know, no no thoughts on it. So oh, wow, but I appreciate that because I I, I just love catching up with you and and. Yeah, uh, like I said, when I when I got a hold of you, I told you that that I just think we have to throw conversation out there for people to grab onto. And so, oh yeah, Kevin Pulley, I really, really, really like you, love you, <laughs> and, and I appreciate our time together. No, I love you, man, and 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 you know what? I, I've always said you're a great friend, and I, I tell you, uh, I've you know not like I said, it's been so many years now. Uh, I get a chance to reflect, think, man. And my daughter told me to tell you hello to my ah, daughter, Elsie. Her. She remembered she, yeah, when we were doing games. She was really, really games. small, yeah. really small, you know. But I, when I told her that I was gonna, she said, "You're gonna, you're gonna get to talk to Harry." So, uh, but yeah, uh, we, 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 I had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun uh, uh, doing those games with you. And thank you. Uh, uh, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. So, so here's what we have to make a commitment to. One of these days, you and I will either be in a march or at a prayer meeting together. Okay. Okay. We're going to get you through this virus, and, and I will make you got my word on that. There you go. Good a absolutely. Absolutely. Heaven bless you, my friend. Stay bless safe. Bless you, too. Thank you, Harry. Thank right. you very, very much. God, God bless. bless. Yes, sir.